Hello, everyone, and welcome to our COP27 special podcast. It is the 22nd of November, and I'm joined today by Bushra Ahmed. This has been called the make or break decade for action on climate change. Viewed as the most urgent challenge of our time, COP27, the UN Climate Conference, hosted this year by Egypt, brought together leaders of almost 200 countries and has now drawn to a close. But the burning question remains, will the commitments made by major economies prove to be sufficient? Bushra, what were the key topics on everybody's mind at this COP? Hi, Lorna. Yes, COP27 has been keeping us all very busy. The climate crisis is accelerating fast. And to be honest, there were a lot of expectations from this COP to provide further guidance and clarity on the pledges already made, increase the ambition of these pledges, and discuss the practical implementation steps needed to increase the pace of emissions reduction. Amongst multiple topics, the discussions heavily focused on blended finance, just transition, and adaptation financing. For instance, COP27 saw significant progress on adaptation, with governments agreeing on the way to move forward on the global goal on adaptation, which will conclude at the next COP and inform the first global stock take, improving resilience amongst the most vulnerable countries. New pledges, totaling more than $230 million, were made to the Adaptation Fund at COP27, with UN Climate Change's Standing Committee on Finance being requested to prepare a report on doubling adaptation finance for consideration at COP28 next year. Yes, that's right. And there was a key breakthrough agreement at the end of this COP. It required an overnight marathon session, but did deliver the positive announcement of this loss and damage fund. It's the first of its kind. Can you tell us more about that? Yes, absolutely. And this relates to those topics of adaptation, blended finance and just transition. So the issue of loss and damage was added to the official agenda and adopted for the first time at COP27. One of the big wins was this breakthrough agreement to provide compensation funding for vulnerable countries that are hit hardest by climate disasters, but actually contributed the least to climate change. This is a mechanism to address the impacts on communities whose lives and livelihoods have been ruined by the very worst impacts of climate change caused by activities in the past by countries that are now developed nations. Governments also agreed to establish a transitional committee to make recommendations on how to operationalize both the new funding arrangements and the fund at COP28 next year. The first meeting of the transitional committee is expected to take place before the end of March 2023. Which is good news. So what now remains at the top of the climate agenda? So much. So there were a lot of topics that were discussed and different smaller announcements or smaller pledges, which we won't summarize today, but I'll summarize what the sustainability topics that continue to be center stage of the discussions were. So there's, of course, net zero. And in fact, there was a special report on net zero greenwashing as well, also published biodiversity and natural capital, including forest protection. There was carbon markets and carbon pricing to be agreed, the energy sector and food security. So another commitment worth highlighting under the breakthrough agenda, countries representing over half of the global GDP launched a package of 25 new collaborative actions to be delivered by COP28 next year again to speed up the decarbonization under five key breakthroughs of power, road transport, steel, hydrogen and agriculture. Plenty to do already for the COP28, it seems. What are the key messages now for financial services? 
Sure. Let's start with some numbers. So the Sharm el-Sheikh implementation plan, which is the cover text, highlights that a global transformation to a low carbon economy is expected to require investments of at least four to six trillion dollars a year. And delivering such funding will require swift and comprehensive transformation of the financial system and its structures and processes, engaging governments, central banks, commercial banks, institutional investors and other financial actors. For the first time, the cover text also calls on multilateral development banks and international financial institutions to reform their practices and priorities to ensure they're fit for purpose to tackle the global climate emergency. There's also an announcement of a total of $105 million in new funding that eight European countries committed to, stressing the need for even more support for the global environment facility funds targeting the immediate climate adaptation needs. There are some pretty huge sums of money involved in this. Finally then, do you feel that overall this was a successful COP? That's the million dollar question, and it's always hard to tell. I think COP27 has allowed to maintain a momentum on some of these key topics with unfortunately a lot left to discuss and a lot left to do. However, I think one positive spin to this or a way to look at it could be that a takeaway from this can be how we inform what happens at COP28, which is happening in UAE next year, actually, towards a similar time, end of November next year. And something to remember for me in the bigger picture, Lorna, is that this was all happening against a very difficult geopolitical backdrop, with some concerned whether the climate challenge will even still remain top of the agenda for these organizations. So at least the spotlight has returned to the perils of climate change and encouraging swift and confident action. Because unlike some economic challenges the world is grappling with today, climate change is irreversible and we just don't have the time to pause. As the UN Secretary General reflected in his closing remarks, we can and must win this battle for our lives. Those are inspiring words. Thank you, Busha, very much indeed. No worries. Thank you, Lorna.